I'm just going to talk for a little while tonight, and we're going to get into the Word, but I feel, I feel like that in this hour, I've never seen more distractions than I see right now. I've never seen more distractions, and the enemy is doing everything that he can to get us to take our eyes off the prize. And there are things that we're looking at right now that, to be quite honest with you, we, we can't change and we can't fix. But if we could change any of it, it wouldn't change one thing about our biblical mandate. It doesn't matter. So the society that we live in, I feel like, I feel like that people are looking at society and they're saying, well... The Lord has to be coming back because of this and this and this. The Lord has to be coming back because society is doing this. God has to be returning quickly. Well, I think more than anything, we need to understand that society has never set God's agenda. Amen. Society has never set God's agenda. And so what God is going to do, if I could say it like this, He's going to do without the permission of society. God doesn't need the permission from any world government anywhere in any part of the world to be God. He was God before they had world power. He was God before they were elected. He was God before they were king. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? And uh, I've been wrestling um, with the scripture. I've been in in the book of Esther. And uh, I've been reading about. The hand of God being on Esther. The hand of God working the way that it did. Uh, I've been reading about how the plans of the enemy were thwarted. And it did not matter what the enemy thought he was going to do. When God said, my favor is on Esther. Man. It preaches itself, really. The enemy cannot reverse what God says about you. The enemy cannot change what God says about you. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. And so between, uh, of course, this week we were in revival services with Brother Shepherd, And um, on Wednesday night we did, not, uh, we did not have the opportunity to preach our Focus 52 chapter for the week. And it certainly wasn't the end of the world because we've had amazing service. But connecting all of the dots and putting things together, I find it ironic. And if y'all will just hang with me, this is probably not going to be a typical Sunday night for me. But I feel like God wants to open our eyes to see truly what's transpiring around us and to help us understand that if God is for us... mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. If God be for us. Somebody shout who. Who can be against us? If God. mm, If God be for us. Then who can be against us? Do you believe that tonight? And so, 
I was wrestling in the scripture this week with some concepts that have been so heavy on my mind. And one of them was our Focus 52 chapter of Daniel chapter 3 this past week. And the understanding that sometimes, and this is not going to be popular, so don't judge me at the beginning of what I'm telling you tonight. Sometimes God does his best work when you're out of options. Mm. That went over like a lead balloon. I said God does his best work when you're out of options. We used to sing God likes to work when your back's to the wall. When faith's in the balance and you're just about to fall. There will be no mistaking when he blesses and when he heals. Because God likes to work when nothing else will. You must know tonight that there's going to come a time in your life as a child of God. Where you're going to learn to trust in God. And that trust that you have placed in God will be tested greatly. No man is worth his salt. And I say this tonight with all boldness in the Holy Ghost. No man is worth his salt to call himself a victor when he has never had to fight a battle. I watched some time ago as there were some, uh, I don't even know what you'd call them. They call themselves generals, I guess, in the communistic regime of North Korea walking around with medals on their chest that hang down to their belt line. And I watched them parade themselves around and I thought, what in the world did you do to deserve to call yourself a mighty man of war? Are you hearing what I'm telling you right now? Never fought in a war. But consider themselves to be mighty men that are deserving of the highest honors in the military and so it's interesting to me that we can laugh at those things and certainly I mean I guess anytime they want to they can they can flex it'll probably be a quick flash and literally a quick flash and whatever it is they're going after it'll be over for them too I don't know I really don't know exactly how all that works and I don't know who they're in uh, cahoots with but I, I can tell you this much that I feel like right now when we look at certain nations like that and the weakness that has been presented and then we laugh and we scoff at them, it kind of frustrates me because I look at the kingdom of God and I see a bunch of the same thing, especially in the North American church. I see people who call themselves mighty in prayer at 15 minutes a day, if that. I see people who talk about being aware of the signs of the times and being connected and realize all they've done is picked up some TV evangelist book and read through the book and now we feel like we know everything. I'm telling you tonight that this is a clarion call from the heart of the shepherd of this church to reach out to this body and tell you that if we have ever had discernment in our lives, it is time for us to walk in discernment of the Holy Ghost. It is time for us to be tapped in to the Spirit of God. It is time for us to be tapped in to the voice of God. 
The enemy is using every fear tactic that he can to get the church of the living God to shut her mouth and sit down and be quiet and fold our arms and just have a little sleep and a little slumber. But you hear me tonight that God did not fill us with the Holy Ghost for us to play it safe. God filled us with the Holy Ghost for us to live a life of danger that says, devil, I don't care what you say and I don't care what you do. You don't set the agenda for my life and you don't get the final say in my life. God likes to work when nothing else will. And so the pressure, and and sometimes to be honest with you, as a a pastor, I feel like a broken record. When we get into certain streams of the Holy Ghost and God is trying to speak some things. And so the only thing I can tell you is that God speaks it to me until I finally get it. I don't know how many ways, how many different ways that you can preach about the three Hebrew boys, and you can preach about Daniel. But I keep going back and searching because what I find is people that were living in a land that was not their own. They were in it. They weren't of it. Oh, man. And they were being pushed on every single day to accept the ideologies of the government That had them in captivity. And there was something in the hearts of a few of them. Only a few. And I feel like there's a few in this hour right now. That although we may look like we are few to the world. We are a majority with him. Because if God is for us. Ah. And I've been wrestling with this, and and please understand, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, but I've been in prayer this week talking to God about how quickly we start going through the motions and we grab hold of traditions, and it's like there's a certain way that we anticipate doing things, and if that gets messed up at all, it, it, it throws us for a loop. I remember growing up through the years that there were a couple of occasions that when church would start, Instead of Bishop having the choir sing or the the musicians come, that Bishop would just step to the pulpit and start preaching to start service. And people were like, what just happened? Like, we didn't get the full price of admission. Like, we cut straight to the end of the movie, you know. We didn't get the full price of admission. And so I've been thinking all week about different things and how God deals with me specifically that when we step to the pulpit, it's like we've got to draw this particular text and get just draw just a little bit from that. And, and I started thinking about John the Baptist preaching. And I wondered if John the Baptist walked around with his Bible talking to people in the wilderness, had his little scrolls with him, you know, and, and somebody would say something about the prophet Isaiah and, and John the Baptist say, ooh, that'll preach. I wonder if John the Baptist went to conventions out there in the wilderness, you know, with a bunch of different preachers, and they got to talking about sermon thoughts. And they felt the pressure to perform and get their three little points done and get it to move and then open up the altar for them that wanted to come forward. Oh, God. It's tight as a snare drum in here right now. And I started crying out to God. I said, Lord, I don't want to just be a man. 
that stands up and preaches to saved people all the time and convince them that the way of righteousness is still right. And my spirit was grieved as I began to think about how focused the ministry of the North American church has been in my lifetime on just keeping the saved saved. Is this all right? Is this too tight for a Sunday night? Is this all right? Hey, I want to tell you something, church family. If we're not convinced right now that this is truth, we're never going to be convinced that it's truth. If you're not convinced that this book that has one author is the infallible word of God, you are never going to be convinced that it's the word of God. I have known and been around and preached with and been involved with and had dinners with and lunch with some of the finest preachers in the world. And when I start thinking, somebody got online the other day and was asking about one man that I've admired all my life. And they started saying, name sermons that you heard him preach through the years. And I started reading the titles of the sermons. I said, I've heard that one, heard that one, heard that one, I've heard that one. And every one of them I started thinking about, it was to encourage the saved to stay saved. Bishop, you may have to come sweep this up here in a minute. Our focus has just been to rest in the goodness of God and to come together and just enjoy the good things of God. But I'm looking at a group of people tonight that the Holy Spirit is awakening in you. That we are not just here to show people like Saul did how nice our armor is. I feel like in the Holy Ghost tonight that God has been speaking to the hearts of some men and women in this assembly. And you're about to suit yourself up in the whole armor of God. It's something we've preached about. It's something we've talked about. But God is getting ready to activate within us the most powerful armor army that the world has ever seen Uh, I told you this is going to be different on Sunday night a few weeks ago I was standing in the prayer room and the Lord spoke to me I told the, the people that were in the prayer room I said the Lord spoke to me that in this end time that the face of the church was going to change I've been seeking God about that what does that really mean Lord what does that really mean and I'm just going to tell you the way that he's been dealing with me but the Lord began to deal with my heart that this is not a time for us to just play games the Lord said I want you to take note at how the enemy is pushing and pressing right now he's doing everything that he can the Lord began to speak to me in my own language he said I want you to notice that the antichrist agenda is not playing games anymore he's playing for keeps he said I want you to notice that the enemy is not pushing anymore just to intimidate the enemy is pushing to destroy I'm telling you that our adversary the devil is still seeking whom he may devour Seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom he may devour. And we're still sitting around trying to figure out what our favorite type of worship music is. Whether we like the new ones or the old ones. Whether we like this color carpet or that color carpet in the sanctuary. Whether we like this kind of worship brand or that. Or this kind of preacher or that kind of preacher. I'm going to tell you the kind of preacher I'm looking for right now. Is a kind that will step to the Jordan River and say repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm looking for somebody that will declare that the kingdom is upon us and it's time to repent. 
I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings tonight. So let me just show you how I've been praying. God forgive me for being so selfish and making your kingdom all about me. God forgive me for being so selfish and spending so much time in prayer worrying about me. God let your kingdom come and let your will be done in me. Sometimes when God deals with me, he deals with me kind of in a rough way because maybe that's the only way I get it. I don't know if we're quite ready to hear this or not, but I'm not picking on anybody in here, but I sure will share this with some of my preacher friends because I believe this is what God is speaking to us in this hour. I want to tell you that the reason why we see very few John the Baptist anymore preaching in this hour, in this end time hour about the coming of the Son of Man is because John never let the spotlight be on what he had done. You find me one place in the ministry of John the Baptist that people began to testify about how many he had baptized. If we're not careful, and please don't misunderstand me and don't misquote me. But if we're not careful, our testimony is going to become scorecards. We have judged the temperature of the kingdom of God by what's posted on social media. They're having a revival, man. Do you see that post? Do you see what they put on? They're having a revival. Are they? Are they having a revival? So what they're really doing? How do we know? Have we tried the Spirit to see if they be of God? Please understand, I'm not throwing darts at anybody. I'm, I'm telling you how the Spirit's been dealing with me. And I feel like God is calling the true church to arise. And come up out of this, oh God, please help me tonight to convey this to people. We talk about political systems and how we don't like it. And then I look at the church. Look at the church as a whole. And I see people through the years that have forsaken convictions just to be sure they get to keep an office as an elected somebody in the church for two more years. Woo! Sit in a board meeting with a group of preachers and they start discussing things and decide to change things that were doctrine at one time, but they're not anymore, at least not now, because we need them in our fellowship. I've sat and listened to stories of men that sat down and to allow things to happen in their church. They literally, Bishop, have had to bring in outside voices, legal voices to speak in their church with their church boards and their church people and re- completely rewrite the, uh, the structure and the bylaws of their church. And when those professionals came in and sat down at the table, they said, what you're preaching doesn't line up with what's in your bylaws. So you're either going to have to stop preaching that or you're going to have to change your bylaws. It's tied up in here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with God and I'm like, Lord, what, what are we going to have to do? What, what, what has to happen? I mean, how far are we really willing to go to extend that 
hand of fellowship and say, yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're going to be connected. We're just, we're going to hang out a little bit. And Brother Andrew, the other night we talked, we talked and God really, you, you ministered to me and helped me. When y'all shared your testimony of how God began to deal with you and certain things that you came out of, I, I, I'd never hurt you. But they, they came out of certain movements and, and, and it was like once they started really getting into the scripture and Bible study. He shared this with our Bible study class two weeks ago. It was like there were things, they weren't hidden in the scripture, they were hidden from him. He said, I read it all my life, never saw it. I've never seen that, ever. Been in church all my life, been around ministry, never seen it in all my life. And this may be too hard, Bishop, I don't know, but I got to thinking about some things in my lifetime, just my lifetime. That have changed. Am I a million miles off, Brother Snow? I started thinking about some things that have changed. And I looked at it and I'm like, dear God, are we really any different than any other group? I know we call ourselves a church, but when we actually have to skate around scripture text. (laughs) When we literally have to. Get around texts in the scripture and say, I'd rather just not talk about it than to deal with it. I'm going to tell you, folks, listen to Pastor. When I tell you right now, you had better get established in the word and get the word in your heart. Because when it comes down, it's not going to matter what somebody's opinion is about the Bible. It really don't matter how many books you've read about the Bible. You've got to get the word of God established and settled in your heart. sat the other night with some kids. The parents were talking about their kids, little, little young kids, and they said, why don't, you, uh, why don't you quote the books of the Bible for pastor? And I listened to 66 books rolled out of their mouth and began to quote the word of God and talk about scriptures. And I thought, Lord, we've allowed the pressures of this world to tell us that we are too close-minded with our kids by not allowing them to participate in things of this world. But I'm just going to be completely honest with you tonight and tell you that this week there's been a whole lot that's become more and more clear to me and I hope it has to some of you as well. When I've looked at the gods of this world and I've looked at stadiums that have been packed out to capacity with people screaming and yelling and chanting for football players, no masks at all, no social distancing at all, and you think I'm going to let the government tell us when we can and can't have church? Well, I don't know what's wrong with you, Pastor, because we, 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 we need to make friends with this system in this world. I'm going to tell you right now, more than there ever has been in my life, there is a spirit on me like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Bishop, that says, I will not comply. I don't care. the pressure of the world saying either 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 bow to us or we're going to push you out Woo! can i just say this tonight and i don't say this with any arrogance in me whatsoever but you got to get something in you that says i don't care how hot the furnace or how big the threat i'm not complying 
Some of you are going to think that this has something to do with the political age, and it doesn't at all. But I noticed in a nation that's down under that a few years ago they came in and took all of the arms from people. And now they have nothing to stand on, so they're a nation that just lays, they have to lay on their back. Yes, sir. If I could say it like this, they're literally having to bring a, a, a knife to a gunfight. Right. And I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, well, we, 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 need some, we need some this and we need some of that. Okay, well, maybe we'll talk about that when I'm not in the pulpit. You can give yours up if you want to. Matter of fact, if you're going to give them away, I'll, I'll buy them from you for a real good price. Yeah. Don't give them away. It is a picture, whether you like it or not, it is a picture of what's happening in the church world right now, that the enemy is trying to disarm us. But the weapons of our warfare, Bishop, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Brother Larry Bigham, if I could say it like this, if our weapons are gone, then the strongholds stay. But as long as we've got the weapons, the stronghold cannot stand. If you can't feel the undercurrent that the enemy is pushing against the body of Christ right now, Oh, God. I just think some of you over-exaggerate. I'm going to tell you all something right now. I feel like, I feel like if we have ever lifted our voice, we better get as loud as we can get. And, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about doing it from a closet either. I'm talking about getting on the mountaintops. Hello? Shouting it out. Letting the world know. We're different. There is a difference between us and them. And li listen, we need some Noahs in this hour. So you can get on or you can stay off. But don't blame me when the rain starts falling. Come on, somebody. God have mercy. So, you understand that the structures, the structures of King Nebuchadnezzar, as he builds this, I, I don't know how many of you studied in the Focus 52 devotional this past week, but the structure he had built was over 90 feet tall. In other words, it was a very intimidating structure that would cause anybody to want to bow down because if he would have made that image Ten foot tall. And the average man could have just lifted his eyes a little bit and looked at that thing. There would have been no intimidation. And so the Lord began to show me some things from this. That through the ages that the enemy has tried very slowly. There's been small things. And I don't want to get distracted here tonight. But there's been a little small things that have derailed a few. But not enough to make a difference in the whole body. And so the further we get along, the more intimidating the tactics become and the larger the idols become. There was a time that people had idols in their lives that they were just the little small idols that they could hide. But now 
The idols have become so big and so bold and so brazen that it's right in your face. I'm going to tell you there's something wrong with a society when a school teacher can tell their classroom to pledge allegiance to a pride flag, but to not to a flag for our nation. And Romans, the first chapter said that if you have fellowship with them and that if you have compassion toward their evil deeds, that you are a partaker of their evil deeds and that your end is the same as their end. There's something to be said about what fellowship hath light with darkness. Well, pastor, if we don't ever go to them, how we're going to win them? There's a difference in fellowship and evangelism. Don't ever get the two confused. But when you evangelize something, you're reaching to draw them in a direction. You're not allowing them to draw you into fellowship. And the difference has a lot to do with the direction of the draw. Are you drawing them back to the kingdom? Or are they dragging you into their kingdom? Is this all right? I have to wonder if there was ever a moment that crossed the mind of these three boys that said, maybe my knees just felt a little weak a second ago. Oh, I felt, I just kind of felt like I wanted to buckle. Now, it's not recorded this way, but I'm just wondering the way my mind works. I wondered if at some point, will you two guys come help me real quick? Come on. I, I, I'm wondering, one on each side of them if you don't mind. I'm wondering if at some point as they're standing shoulder to shoulder, one of them may have started to get weak in his knees just a little bit and started to, but the other one said, no, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. Don't, don't do it. Keep standing. Keep standing. Maybe the other one started feeling a little bit, ah, uh, I don't know, guys. This is sure the path of least resistance. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier for us. Now, maybe we can fix it later if we'll just bow now. Maybe, maybe we can bring it back later if we'll just let a few things go right now. Show me a church. Show me one. Find one. That's let it go past the tipping point and was able to bring it all the way back. God have mercy. I'm going to tell you what I need tonight. I need you standing on the side of your brothers and your sisters that when they start getting a little weak, you can say, hey, brother, lean on me right now. We're in this thing together. But it, oh, God, I'm going I'm I'm to preach this a little bit. But the sad thing is, is when your brother that's whispering in your ear is saying the same thing that the Babylonians are saying. What's it going to take for us as the body of Christ to start speaking the same language? I'm telling you sooner or later, the guy that I lean on and the guy that leans on me, we're going to have to agree that holiness is necessary in the end time church. It is necessary to be separated unto God. It is necessary to stand in this evil day. Yeah. 
It's not okay to let your kids do everything that the world does and go everywhere the world goes and say, I'll bring them back when they're 17. My God, don't wait till they're 17. Get them grounded. This is probably not going to be the most popular thing I've preached in a while. See that pressure? It's nonstop pulling. Pulling on our kids. Pulling, pulling, pulling. And we're like, well, it won't hurt them if we just let them go to prom this year. They're good kids. What? You're establishing in your kids' lives right now the guidelines that are going to be there when the 90-foot structure stands before them. It's that little pole. I'm going to tell you folks something tonight. I want you to listen to me and hear me. As a shepherd of this church from my heart with all the kindness that I can muster up, someday your kids will choose. And the influence that you've had in their life will determine the choice that they make. If your kids... Love this truth. Don't ever let it be because they have to figure it out on their own. Oh, God. Can we just lift our hands? I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help us right here. Listen, we're not dealing anymore. We're not dealing anymore with little idols that sit on the on the shelf in a house. We're dealing with 90-foot structures that are trying. Listen. They're not trying to change households anymore. They're trying to turn nations. Am I preaching to anybody in here right now? And we're shaking hands with it. Saying, ah, it probably won't hurt me. Can I just preach like a country boy right now and tell you that if you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burned. It's going to happen. Some of us are coming to a place in our life, and you mark it down if you want to as a prophecy or whatever you want to say about it. But I'm telling you, Brother Stephen Gill, if I'm breathing right now, we're coming to a place in the not-so-distant future that we're going to have to make some choices about what we're really going to be. It's coming quickly. And some have tried to make a political game out of this and tried to make a Republican or Democrat. It's not anymore. It's light and darkness. It's not. And if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. You can go buy yourself a hamburger. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sick and tired of wrestling against spirits in the church that should not be in the church when we're preaching against sin. 
I understand. I understand that there's some root systems that run through some of our families and some things. But understand me when I tell you right now that our deepest root system had better be in the Word of God. It had better be established in the Word of God. Our roots had better go all the way to Jerusalem, to the upper room where the Holy Ghost fell. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because this nation doesn't need another president as bad as we need a Holy Ghost baptism. We need the Holy Ghost and fire to consume the United States of America. See, some of y'all don't see it coming. But just the other night, I got on our Facebook deal on the admin side. I try to mess with as little as I can now because we had good help. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. I got on right after one of the revival services. And they had blocked a portion of our deal for hate speech. This church. Facebook. I didn't hear one thing preached in the last two weeks that was hate speech. Not one. But just so you know, I understand. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm thankful we got online too. You better because it might not be there for long. This church right here, during our revival, had a portion of our service that was blocked out for hate speech. It's the most regulated form of media right now. It's streaming on the internet. And we think it's going to solve the problems of a pandemic? You know, Pastor, some of the things we preach are pretty hard. Listen, if what we're preaching is not contrary to this world, then it's not the Scripture. This, 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 this right here, this right here, I, you know, it's been two weeks. I told the Lord, I said, I want to go Sunday night and just preach something good. I, I want them to dance and shout. That's what I want. And the Holy Ghost said, I think that's the problem, son. We just want to have good church. But I need to get some people established. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you, there was a time that if it walked like a duck and quacked like a duck, we could say, not no more. I'm telling you right now, because the problem is we've come to the age that we were warned about by the apostle and by the Messiah himself. It might look like a sheep, but it's not. He said, beware of those ravening wolves. They're going to come in in sheep's clothing. I don't know. It looks like sheep to me. Let's welcome them into our fellowship. You got me, Brother Todd. You be my security escort out of here tonight. You got me? Man, him and Troy will just get me out of here tonight. Listen, I'm not talking about living arrogant. Don't, you, don't, 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 don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you. But I'm saying there is a definite problem. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, 
if there is no distinction between us and the rest. So I got in Esther this week. And I started reading in, in Esther. And I got over in the fifth chapter. It's really a powerful story. I think sometimes when it's preached, we don't really understand the fullness because we preach kind of like the highlights of the story. If you read it, it's really interesting. It's incredible. You talk about influence, man. This king, the scripture says specifically in your King James Bible that he was king from India all the way down past the lower parts of Asia. Like, I'm talking about like unbelievable. Like this man, he had crazy influence. He was one of the largest kingdoms, geographically speaking, in the whole wide world. Insanity. But there, were, there, there was a small sect of people that the, the book of Esther records. They were carried into this region because of the captivity of Babylon. And they were leftovers. Right? And so, all of a sudden, there's trouble in paradise. And the king's wife, the queen Vashti, isn't just doing exactly what he wants. And, and Bishop, I don't know that I've ever paid attention to this or not. And I'm just going to kind of let people read between the lines. But these people, they came to the king and they said, look, if you don't act on this right now, then the, 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 the ladies are going to take control and they're not going to start respecting their husbands. So, so understand me when I say this. They said there's gender identity issues that are going to be connected to this decision. Oh, my God. Go read your Bible. If you, if you don't publicly take care of this, then there's going to be gender identity issues in the kingdom. You guys can start picking up on this because I don't want to get blocked off for hate speech. I mean, dear God, we're going to start spelling A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. It's unbelievable. People having to type in emojis to keep something from getting blocked. What in the world? Listen to me. So in the process of this, in the process of this, Man, God's been rocking my world. Come on. So in the process of this, they said, here's what I would recommend if I were you. I would go find virgins. And bring those virgins in that will respect the king because Vashti hasn't been. And I found it interesting. You can say whatever you want to say and let it speak to you however you want to. But I find it very interesting that when God started opening up the door in the kingdom for the person that would be selected, he had to let her be chosen from a group of chaste virgins. Which all of a sudden my mind starts wondering, is God going to have to look in a different group in the end time? To find people that are still pure in doctrine? Come on. My, my, my. Think about that. 
He said, I want you to find, I, I'm going to draw the next miracle out of a group of people that are undefiled. And we're still sitting around wanting to know, please, please don't read into this anymore. But I'm telling you, our young people are dealing with this spirit. How far can you go and it not be too far? This ain't popular. I mean, what can, what, like, what can we do, but it's not too far? Right? I mean, how much can I talk to this woman and it not really be an affair on my wife? Oh, you don't think we're wrestling with that? And it ain't just in the world. It's eating the church world up. If you have to ask yourself the question, is this okay? It's probably not. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. If you're starting to send that text to somebody of the opposite sex or anymore, it don't matter if they are or not, I guess. I, I don't know. If you just going to send that off and you, you have to say, is this appropriate? The answer is probably just delete that joker. So can I bring it on over here into Esther just a little bit? Can, can, can I bring that over here just a little bit? Listen, when the Lord himself decides to robe himself in flesh and send an angel down, Gabriel, to send a message, he sent the miracle message to a chaste virgin. God, there's a reason that when Jesus starts telling stories about eschatology and the end time, he said, now there were ten He said, but even some virgins can be foolish. It, it, it wasn't their purity that was in question. It was their wisdom. Oh, my. So out of the sect of people, there was a woman that was pure and separated unto God, that her uncle that had adopted her, the Lord had his hand on her. She was brought out. Separated. You read that process, it's incredible. For a solid year. Six months in oils. Six months in frankincense, I think it was, and myrrh. Preparing her, not, not for the marriage supper. I, I want people to get this. For the selection process. So you're saying, I got to do that to go to heaven. No, I'm saying you got to do it to even get his attention. This girl spent a year separating herself just to get access to the throne room. And we're worried about getting access to eternity. Is, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down right now? How much can I get by with? Well, I can tell you this. If you walk in there stinking, I'm just being honest. If you walk in and your attitude's rotten, don't expect that scepter to be lifted for you to walk in that room. You know why I do what I do? Because my king deserves my very, very best. 
He deserves the best that I can bring. My worship ought to smell good. My doctrine ought to smell good. I know. I, I, I feel it. I, I know some people think I'm just up here ranting and raving. Bishop, I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. Understand me. Understand me. This was not about at all marrying the king. This is about being allowed to be seen by the king. And all of this is transpiring, and I want you to pick up on this. All of this is transpiring while the agenda of corruption is going on. Oh, my God. Haman is plotting the plan. God said, well, just let the plan go because what I've selected out of the chaste virgins is going to be what thwarts the plan of Haman when she gets into the throne room. I want to tell you all something tonight. Maybe some of you, maybe this isn't a revelation to you. The only way that that agenda was turned around was in the throne room. Why is prayer important to us right now? Why? Why, why? why do we have to pray, Pastor? Why are you so big on prayer? Because if we're not praying, do whatever you want to do. If it's not important enough to you to access the throne room, then it's not important enough to the king to change his mind. I'm going to get there. I'm about done. I'm about done. Everybody doing okay? Y'all all right? So listen, I... I in, in, in chapter 5, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So, we're in, we're, we're in chapter 5. Uh, let, me, let me find it here. And so, uh, Haman's making his plot. And we find out that Mordecai is, is scared. He's a little bit worried about what's going on with Esther. And... He's a little bit upset, you know, hoping that, that there's not an issue. So they're sending back and forth. They're, they're, they're sending back and forth answers, questions in chapter 4. Come back with me to chapter 4. And verse 10, 4 and 10. And Esther spake unto Hatash and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. In other words, go say this to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know. And this is, this is where I want to draw Verse 11, that whosoever, everybody say whosoever. That whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king to the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. So the answer is this. Esther says, whosoever comes in will be put to death if the scepter is not extended. And you can go back and look at my, my, my notes here. They're impressive. I'm going to show you when this came to me the other night. Uh, right here. I know you can't see anything about that. I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Ghost started dealing with me the other night, when was this? August the 22nd. That whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come to the king. And this is what I heard, Bishop. You're not whosoever. 
What? You are not whosoever. So I'm back in the story. Esther's worried about whosoever comes in. And God is saying, but you're not whosoever. You're Esther. You're the queen. Well, if whosoever walks in there, the king's not happy about it. They're going to die. It would for whosoever. But you're not whosoever. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down here? Well, you know, pastor, if whosoever preaches like that, they're going to get in trouble. Well, good, because I'm not whosoever. And you're not whosoever. This isn't a whole bunch of nobodies in here and a bunch of whosoever's in here. Peter said it like this in 2 and 9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal. Preach to it. You are not whosoever. You're a child of the king. Well, if whosoever don't bow down to this king's agenda, they're going to die. Well, good, because I'm not whosoever, and I'm not bowing. So I feel tonight it's of necessity to remind this congregation. I know, I understand that the way I've preached tonight, I would, pass, I would fail any test in any Bible school in America with my hermeneutical privilege tonight. My homiletics have been off. God forbid, Brother Larry, I didn't take a text tonight and preach my three points. Because I've only got one thing to say to you tonight. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand up in the face of adversity. Plant your feet on the rock. Get the doctrine settled in your heart. It don't matter what this world throws at you, keep on standing. It don't matter what music they start playing, keep on standing. I don't care what's going to happen to whosoever. You are not whosoever. I feel, I'm, I'm closing. I've been here too long. I feel, Bishop, and, and, and I, I said this a year and a half ago, probably, whenever. It was March last year. The sifting has begun. Just as sure, Sister Carol, as I'm living tonight, the sifting has begun. We are now seeing, we are now seeing the separation of the wheat and the tear. Oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. We are living in the time right now, listen to me, that we're seeing the separation in the wheat and the tear. And the reason why, man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. And the reason why is because the husbandman of the field, when his worker said, we saw the tares come up and the enemy has done this in the night, saw them come up. They said, can we go tear them out? Can we go rip them out of the field? He said, no, leave them. Because if you, if you pull them up now, they look so much like the wheat that you're going to take some of the harvest. 
He said, but wait until harvest time. And the wheat and the tear are going to be identified. And that's when separation happens. I'm going to take the wheat and I'm going to store it. There's a strong angel up here right now. God have mercy. I'm going to take the wheat and I'm going to store it up in the storehouse. He said, but that tear, I'm going to burn it up. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I give permission as the under-shepherd of this church tonight to the Holy Ghost to reveal whatever He wants to reveal and expose whatever He wants to expose and all of the tares. God, you are more than welcome to walk through this vineyard tonight through this field and to expose the wheat and the tare because at the coming of the Lord I want it to be God that this church right here in Anderson, Indiana is found without spot or wrinkle. Uh.